welcome to another edition of the Common Man Podcast. My name's Matt. Some people call me Horse. Thanks for joining us. Look, I'm starting with a spoiler alert this weekend. It's, it's a bit of a weak spoiler alert because if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't actually been watching The Last Dance and you haven't seen the last episode of The Last Dance, then I'm, I'm a bit lost for words, but I'll digress. So in the last episode of The Last Dance, it's revealed that MJ has read The Bulls, a self-penned poem, as they stood around in a circle and charred the thoughts they'd etched in paper in a barrel. And uh, this whole concept, you know, a fire barrel, throwing in the pieces of paper, MJ reading a poem, it's really got me thinking. MJ was great at everything else. So would MJ be a good poet? It's inspired me to write my introduction today. The Common Man. We are back to get your sporting juices flowing. I can almost feel the anticipation growing. The last dance might have soireed to its crescendo. But where above all the current rumours and innuendo, with the topics that will titillate this episode will be quite great. So sit back, relax and eat some flan as you listen to The Common Man. start to introduce our key position performers who will carry me through the bulk of this podcast today. Who's out first, big guy? Our first player for today has spent his last few weeks upskilling Scott Cam style. He's been donning a smock, grabbing a brush, and as Mr. Echo transforms again to become the modern man's domestic car, so we would like to introduce him. Hello, Forty. How are you? I'm good, thanks, horse. Good to be here. Uh, another podcast, another day, another, another another fence painted. Another fence painted. Excellent. I was going to ask what we are painting. So yeah, we've we've uh, painted all the fences, and uh, let's just say I I, uh, I thought I'd get it over actually initially in a day. Well, three days later, um, I really uh, underestimated how much time it really takes to uh, paint a lot of fences. So yeah, anyway. it's, it's sort of like the the block and those uh, renovation shows actually. Uh, leading us up the garden path with how easy it is because don't they paint the whole house in a night yeah exactly yeah they don't sleep they just uh that is paint they just churn it out get the hairdryer out dry it down yeah. and keep on moving on done let's get on to uh, our next player off the bench well that was quite efficient how about you surprise us with player number two so our second player off the bench today I'd like to call him the player's player, the everyman, the fend-off king. You need to contact someone on Instagram, he can get it done. Let's update our Insta stories and welcome Friendy. G'day, horse. 40, how are we, fellas? Good to be back. Oh, it's great to have you back. You've been hot on the Instagram. We've had some Instagram issues in the, uh, the last few weeks. Some people trying to uh, tag us in posts that we don't want to... We don't want to necessarily uh, have anything to do with it. Is that correct? Yeah, let's, just, let's just say we're attracting uh, people from all demographics, all <laughs> walks of life. And, um, you know, we've just got to keep an eye out for this stuff. Some things are, are not able to be shown at home, though, horse. Not, not fit for the podcast. <laughs> no, that's right. We'll leave Thanks it at that. the moderator. 
he's the mod. We do have a lot of things that are fit for the podcast though. And so look, the boys are at the starting line, revving their engines. And I think it's time we get this show on the road. This month in sport. Well, it's been a busy two weeks in sports, even though, as we're always saying, no one's actually playing. They are very close to playing, especially in the AFL. Only a couple of weeks off and we have our draw for round two through five. That's right. The next four rounds have been released and it has created a lot of talk. For the first time in AFL history, every team plays each other only once. How will this play out? They say, you know, I mean, logically speaking, it is the fairest draw in history. Everyone plays each other once and hopefully the cream rises to the top. But 40, the question is, does this new new format actually completely change how the top eight will look at the end of the season? Or as I just said, does the cream always rise to the top? What do you think? Oh, I think the cream rises to the top. I, um, it's going to be... The best teams are going to be there at the end. And uh, with the shortened season, that does play into the fact of injuries and all that sort of thing. So anything can happen, but I think the best teams will be there at the end. I also think it does give an advantage to the Victorian teams. Even though there's no crowd, there's just that familiarity of playing at your home ground, um, having your own change rooms, all that sort of thing. So I think the Victorian teams have a massive advantage, which is about time, I reckon. Yeah, look, I'm all for it as a Victorian. Uh, I do think it's an interesting one because we've had the whole equalisation for so many years now where those five games outside of everyone playing each other once are there to balance out. And so we have the bottom teams only playing the bottom teams from the previous years and the middle tier and the top tier as well. And that's now completely Mm. gone. So I I sort of feel like that actually, you know, as much as Brisbane are an up-and-coming side, they certainly had a draw that, that worked in their favour last year. And it is, you know, those types of teams that bob up for a year or two that are probably going to be potentially feeling the pinch. I'm not saying that that's going to be Brisbane this year necessarily, but I do think it, yeah. will, it will actually be to the detriment of some teams that if the 22-round draw had stayed, they might have slipped into an eighth, seventh or eighth spot. But now they're not potentially going to do that and and also it does um it doesn't give much room for teams making a late run. You've got to be on from the start. Yeah. Um, generally, you look at Western Bulldogs that year they won the premiership. You know they had a great run towards the end, and this is not going to be uh, a, the case this year. There's going to be no room. You've got to win as many games as you can, obviously, from the start uh, to be up there at the end. Yeah, I mean, to sound like a cliche, it's, it's like the four points on offer each round are probably worth five or six points, really. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just from a mathematical perspective, the less, the less you play, the higher the value of every win that you have. And mm. yeah, it does, it does make that every round is crucial, which is exciting as well, even if we're not going to be there it watching. Is. Now, friend, yes. You've, I know you've had a look at the draw for the next four weeks. What games are you looking forward to seeing from a social oh, distance? Well, I am super excited that uh, AFL is back. And um, there is some 
pearler of a game starting off. Like I, I love the first the first one of um, round two, Collingwood versus Richmond, like blockbuster. Um, these two powerhouse clubs going together. Now it's going to be so weird because this these two teams would have drawn close to a hundred thousand at the MCG, and to play in front of no crowd, it'll be interesting to see who that affects more. Um, obviously, both fans, um, you'd probably put in the feral category, I, I would imagine. Um, but, uh, yeah, looking looking ahead at round two as well, I'm looking forward to seeing my boys play. I think Cats versus Hawks at the GM HBA Stadium is a big one horse. I think you'd agree Ooh, with yeah. that one. Most definitely. Um, so, I think that's great. First time in how long, Horse, that the Hawks have played? Uh, first time since 2006, I believe, in about 14 years. That is correct. Thanks, Horse. 2006, round three, and Hawthorne actually won that one by 52 points. Yep, this shows how fair and even the AFL is. Moving along to round three, I like the look of, again, Richmond versus Hawks is going to be a big one. Brisbane versus West Coast could be big, depending if Brisbane start to pick up. They had a shocking start to round one. But then uh, round four, we have GWS versus Collingwood. That'll be huge. And then round five, two best teams in the league, in my opinion, are going head-to-head. Richmond versus West Coast, round five. Mark that one in your diaries. Excellent. Now, I do have to address the elephant in the room before you bring it up as well, Friendy, because I know we've got two Geelong supporters and there has been reports, people saying Geelong's been handed potentially an unfair advantage by playing half their games at GMHBA Stadium. And Forty, I'm going to assume you're in agreement with me here that actually that, that, that that's a load of bull. What do you think? Oh, well, it's our home ground. Like, if uh, any other team had a home ground in Victoria or close by, they would be playing there as well. A lot of the time, we don't get to play the top teams like Hawthorne or Collingwood or anyone like that at GMHBA. We play them on their home ground. So, it's about time we get to play them at GMHBA. Yeah, I I do think it's a bit of a no-brainer. And... um... Maybe those a little less educated than us buy into the media's spin and get trolling on the Herald Sun as they like to do. But it is pretty straightforward. If Geelong was three, four hours away from Melbourne, then it'd be quite clear to say that we are separate to Melbourne. Yet sometimes they like to throw Geelong in as Melbourne club, which clearly Geelong or not, they are their own city. Mm. So I'm happy at least for three rounds out of five that we are going to be at GMHBA Stadium. The one other thing before I throw to you, Friendy, is the fact that it's only four games, mate. So cool your Jets. We'll have had two away games and three games at yeah, home. Calm your farm. Yeah. Calm your farm. One of them's against Carlton, who we've played down here for the last couple of years, and the other is against the Gold Coast. So it's only this one situation where they've gone, okay, we'll chuck Hawthorne down the highway and see how it goes when there's no crowd there. Okay. Yeah. I've said my bit. That that probably could have been saved to be Horsted Hammer. <laughs> Horsted Hammer. But we'll move on, I, Trendy. I think I, the only thing I'll say today is, and I'm with you, I actually am with you guys in this one. I think over the, over the many years that Geelong haven't been able to have their home ground, I think, yep, that's fine. I think the only... The only thing people may have a bit of an issue with is the fact that like clubs like West Coast and Fremantle, they've got to play home games in the Gold Coast and yeah. things like that. So that's where mm. it can look unfair. But I think totally, I think Geelong have done the hard yards over many years and they deserve this chance to be able to play against some big-time clubs at their home ground. Not that anyone can go and enjoy it, but we'll be able to watch it on Exactly. Yeah. And, and as I sort of pointed out, it's actually only the first four rounds. 
So we can yes, see it that's right. flipped on its head in the next four rounds after that. And we could be playing home games at the G or at that other place. Docklands, what's it called now? I don't know. Eddie Hard. Marvel. Marvel Stadium. What about that? The Telstra hey, when, it goes, when it goes back to 100 people in a couple of weeks' time, are they allowed to like let the ho- highest bidded 100 people into the ground? Is that how it's well, going to work? Well, it'll what? be interesting to see. They're talking about 30,000 for the grand final at the okay. MCG. The potential for that. So two empty seats and- either side of you. And that is that deal. Will it be based on who can afford? Will it go to the members or will it just be the corporates? Mate, it's going to be highest bidder, 100%. So, do you reckon 40? I, I wonder how they're going to even sit them. Is it going to be like two spare seats in front, in between every person? Or like, yeah, and be, what if, what if you come with your partner or your kids or yeah, they, you don't have to socially distance from? Exactly. Mm. It's all good. Mm. So many questions. Well, let's keep moving on to the NBA. And some exciting news this week for those Disney fans out there who also enjoy hoops. The NBA have confirmed they are looking at finishing the season at Disney World in Florida and have been surveying GMs on the possible formats it would take. For example, a play-in tournament for the final two seeds, maybe a knockout competition, March Madness style. Would it be the top 16 teams uh, seeded 1-16 to instead of conferences? Lots of things being thrown up at the moment. And it looks like we are actually going to get some games happening before the end of the year. Friendy, first of all, are we going straight to playoffs? And what format do you think we should be seeing? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I would love to see them go straight to playoffs. I think the concern from players is they would like to get a couple of games under their belt before they jump into that, which I can understand. So I wouldn't be opposed to some sort of round robin just before the playoffs. Um, I think the, the big issue is, is you know, I've, I've heard reports that it may only take one player to contract coronavirus and the whole season might get shut down again. With the 30 teams that, that are in the league, you know, I can already name, you know, 10 teams that, aren't even close to being contention. I just think maybe you got to look at that and go, all right, do you guys, do you want to just go on your break now? And Bulls, yes, Bulls is one of them. Um, I'll quickly run through those ones. I think Bulls, Knicks, Pistons, Hawks, Cavs, Spurs, Suns, Timberwolves, Warriors, Kings, no chance. Just have an extended break, guys. Just stay home. Well, obviously Um, they don't want to increase the risk of, you know, the more teams they've got there, the more chance of someone contracting it and then spreading it through the entire NBA all in Disney Mm. World together. So it makes sense for them to reduce it to some degree. I've heard that team camps are being reduced from 75 to 35 as well when they go in. So 40, what have you, uh, what do you think? What would you like to add? I was just going to say, what about those teams that are kind of just on the The fringe, on the fringe of making playoffs? Because there was also the talk uh, report saying potentially 20 teams as well are doing a round robin format. There's been the 16 and the 20 um, those couple of teams that are just just not quite in the, but there's also some jostling of positioning in the playoffs. I think it would be uh, unwise, and a lot of, as you said, friendy, a lot of players would don't want to jump straight into the playoffs. So whether they play, I don't know, seven or eight games before leaping in the playoffs, that just gives them a bit of a chance to get back into the swing of things. Uh, the competitiveness of some of those teams that maybe not quite in the playoffs or jostling for a better playoff position. 
yeah. I think uh, it'd be pretty important. Yeah, well, I well, think it's, pr- it's pretty straightforward in the East. Like, there's five and a half games difference between the eighth and the ninth seed. But certainly in the West, when you've got, you know, about four mm. teams still jostling mm. for that eighth spot, it's up for grabs. Yeah. And again, they have to consider, like, they're not going to be playing 13 games in a night like they would on a typical NBA schedule. They're probably going to be limited to about three games if they yeah. use the Florida stadiums, the, the college and then you look at it, um, though, in the East, even though the top eight has been decided, there's still some positioning jostling um, mm. that could be quite interesting. Who, what, what's to say that KD and Kyrie. comes back <laughs> and Kyrie, you don't want to be playing Brooklyn first up That'd be crazy. Uh, as a first round. So there'd be a few teams that just be interested to obviously see where they sort of land. It would make a huge difference to their playoff run. Well, the other one, the other team is um, you look at the Spurs. The Spurs, who I don't think will make the playoffs, even though I guess mathematically they could. Mm. Has has Pop- Greg Popovich missed the missed the finals since he's been coaching? Fact check: uh, San Antonio actually last missed the postseason in nineteen ninety six ninety seven, which was Popovich's first year. Greg Popovich has led the Spurs to the playoffs in every full season he's coached. We've also got the Pelicans and. Obviously, the hype with Zion and everyone would love to see him in the playoffs. But, of course, there's also that magical run from J.J. Redick, which looks like coming to a close, especially if we just call the season off. That runs over. His, uh, his playoff streak comes to an end. 13 seasons in the NBA, 13 trips to the postseason. The funny thing about that one, Horse, is that J.J. said to Zion at the start of the season, don't F this up for me. <laughs> he did too. <laughs> That's right. I remember that. <laughs> oh, well, well, surely, surely you can't blame Zion for Corona. Or, or his <laughs> knee troubles. Or, yeah, or Zion not even well, playing most of the season. Yeah, I, <laughs> one day those knees are just going to implode. But that's another story altogether. Oh. <laughs> now, obviously, whilst in Disney World, the players would be expected to embrace the Disney lifestyle and maybe help around the park. I can't imagine uh, the King LeBron would be a huge Lion King fan. Forty, can you think of any Disney films that you think some of the other NBA stars would be watching in their spare time? Oh, you have to go with Aladdin, one of my favourites. The more recent one with Will Smith as the genie. Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to think about who would be... Dennis, if Dennis Rodman played in today's time, <laughs> surely he'd be in it or something like that. But uh, yep, I'm trying sure. to think, uh, who, who would play the I'd, genie? I'd just say LeBron again. I don't know why. I can yeah, well, I actually I can did think that as well. But I'm like, LeBron, the genie. I don't know. He's maybe maybe someone else might be a little more eccentric that might be uh, the genie rather oh, than LeBron. But I can't think of someone. I think the Lopez brothers would be in uh, Alice in Wonderland. We've seen them try and dress up and create some really <laughs> weird films in their spare time. I I also feel like I could see Stephen Adams in like Moana. Yes. With the you know bit of an islander feel happening there, yeah. Does Steve Adams looks a bit like Aquaman? I reckon in some he does. Absolutely. Is that a bit of a yes. doppelganger? Oh, for sure. And it's not Disney, I know, but yeah, it's Marvel. I reckon. I reckon Isaiah Thomas could be like like Mike Three, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if that's Disney either. Chris Bosch would have been in the land before time. <laughs> <laughs> the two, the Raptor. Uh, now, Friendy, moving on to the NBL. NBL star yep. Bryce Cotton has signed for another three years at the Wildcats. 
how important was that for his team and just the league in general? Mate, this this probably hasn't been hyped up and up enough. If you if you're an NBL fan out there, this this decision for him to backflip on Europe and sort of come back and sign with the Wildcats, this is a big call here, horse. But I actually think he's just saved the NBL. That is like a big this is call massive. by you. We're talking we're talking the best player in the league coming back for another three years. It means he'll try he'll probably try and do his citizenship. But NBL was looking to you know it's looking a bit iffy at the moment because a lot of these players have opted out of contracts, a lot of good players, and he's the first big name that's come back in. You know, Andrew Bogut's just come out during the week and said, hey, I'm not committing to anything right now until things sort of, uh, you know, ease up a little bit. Um, he's come out and said, I'm not signing with the Sydney Kings or anyone else. But Bryce Cotton signing, it's massive. And I actually think it saves the NBL. Huge call. Big call. But I love it. Moving on, to so- <laughs> moving on to soccer. Now in South Korea, a South Korean football team, FC Seoul, was handed an $81,000 US fine after using sex dolls to populate the stands to add atmosphere to a game played against Guangzhou FC on May 17th. FC Seoul <laughs> stated that they had vetted the dolls to ensure that they were using dolls commonly used as clothes mannequins, but obviously they got that wrong. Forty. What dolls do you think would have been appropriate in the crowd? Well, I'm not sure. You, you'd hope maybe a Ken and a Barbie, maybe. Or oh, I don't know. Not sure where maybe, we're really going with this horse. I don't know. Maybe you, everyone brought in their teddy bears, their soft toy collection. Yeah. Well, there's a bit of a teddy bear find at the moment, isn't there? Put them in there the windows is. and exactly. go for a walk. Chase the rainbow. So maybe they can go for a walk around the stadium and see a few teddy bears. <laughs> Look, let's be honest. Uh, I didn't really have a relevant question. I've thrown that one your way. I just wanted to point out that story because I think it's quite funny. Uh, oh, <laughs> and it would have been a, a pretty off-putting for the opposition as well if they didn't know what was coming and they run out on the field and they look <laughs> around and say, what? <laughs> but of course, it was, being, it was being broadcast as well on TV. So everyone at home on TV was seeing these adult dolls uh, dressed up and, <laughs> and cheering for their favourite soccer stars. You know, the next time we talk to each other, there is a chance that we might have actually seen some live sport and we might have something to review in that aspect. Are you excited, guys? We are. Absolute happy days. Jump out of the skin. <laughs> Finally, our podcast might actually start to be relevant. Well, that, that's a big call as well. You've made a few big calls <laughs> this segment, Brendy. I'll calm down now. I'll calm down. <laughs> I think oh, I'll wrap I think it up there. I think that's a strike against your name. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> well, that's been our last fortnight slash month in sport. But now, a word from our sponsors. Snacking became a way of life for me. Yeah, I'd go in at 11am for a, something to eat, then 11.30 I'd come back. Oh, 12 o'clock snack before lunch. Just your normal sort of eating habits. One day I was so bored. I made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with the whole loaf of bread. These are stories that we're hearing way too often since isolation. Men with snacks putting on the fat. And you know, now that we're getting to that stage of easing restrictions and heading back out in public, a lot of us are just too ashamed to show our isolation bodies out on the street. That's why I've produced Fat Glad Wrap. Yeah, Fat Glad Wrap. Don't worry, you're not going back to the gym. 
They're not opening anytime soon. But what you can do is get a load of my fat glad wrap, wrap it round your tummy and suck it all in. Put on your old clothes and pretend that nothing ever changed. Head out with a smile on your face and a wink in your eye and take on this new unisolated world. If you think that Fat Glad Wrap might be something for you, head to www.fatgladwrap.com.au. Fat Glad Wrap cannot be held responsible for any injuries occurring from misuse of Fat Glad Wrap. MJ, Pippin, Rodman and Co. Champions from woe to go. Think you know better, don't take the chance. We're here to talk about the last dance. It is with heavy hearts for the last time. It is the last mm. dance review. We have been loving this sick, haven't we, guys? Yeah, we Absolutely. have been on a high. Indeed. Look, we've all loved it and we've all got some final takeaways following episode nine and ten. As I said, if you haven't watched it yet, where are you living? And why are you listening to us? I thought we'd rotate around with a few comments, queries, questions, concerns. Just work it out. Just get our feelings out on the table and try and come to some resolution. How did we feel after it was all over? I know someone who didn't feel too good about it. And that was Scotty Pippen. You know, mm. you've seen these reports. He's, he's not impressed with the way he's been portrayed in the last dance. And I did find that interesting because last episode, we were talking about how they highlighted again, the playoffs in uh, 94 when Kukoc take, takes the last shot and wins and Pippen doesn't come on the court and how much that sat with him and mm. even though he wouldn't change anything. And he's feeling like he's uh, been portrayed in a negative fashion, but I thought he sort of came out as the hero a bit in that last episode when we're all reminded about the terrible back pain and the injury that he was dealing with in game six of the 98 playoffs and the fact that he was just out there as a decoy and, you know, he's five minutes on, five minutes off, get that worked, I'm getting back out there. You know, he put his body on the line and it was clearly evident for that championship. And what would have happened if Jordan didn't hit that last shot and it goes to a game seven, history would have been changed and Pippen would have been the main reason for that. Forty, how did you feel or how do you think Pippen's been portrayed? Yeah, I was, uh, I think where he's coming from is, Maybe it might have been back a little bit earlier in the series, particularly when it talked about starting off the 97-98 season, how MJ was really upset with him. Why did he wait so long for his surgery? surgery? And obviously there was, he was very upset about his contract and he, he was requesting a trade. And so obviously MJ is going to be upset about that. And so there was a few of those sort of comments and even that game where, when Jordan was retired, that he just refused to go back in the game when Kukoc hit that winner. But there's just a few, obviously, moments where maybe Pippen felt he wasn't portrayed. But I agree. I think you look back and MJ said that Pippen was his greatest teammate. That he, he goes, you, I've won six rings, but I haven't won six rings without Scottie Pippen. He's my greatest teammate. I wouldn't have won him without him. So it's kind of... I reckon there's more than meets the eye because you look at Horace Grant, he was upset, obviously saying MJ was calling him out saying he was the one that gave uh, information to Sam Smith on that book. So I, I want, I reckon there's more than meets the eye. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, I, I thought I thought MJ used the uh, the sandwich method quite well, as he, he gave a positive a positive to Scotty at the start, and then the burger was quite big, so it was kind of negative, 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 and then it was a triple patty. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I, I actually think Scotty uh, has just you know, I, like I, I love Scotty Pippen. I always will love Scotty Pippen, um, but I think he's been a little a little bit over the top with how he's reacted from it because. I think he's really gotten a bit of a glimpse about what social media can do to you, you know, to your credibility a little bit. Because yep. I think um, if if he had have um, not gone into the game like he did when Kukoc hit that shot, if that happened today, social media would have destroyed him yep. for that. Oh, he was so crucified. I think he, yep. he needs to count it. You know, count his lucky stars a little bit that he, you know, social media wasn't big back then. And I think now he's getting a bit of a glimpse of it. Um, you know. I think MJ was just telling his side of the story and that's just what happened. Now, look, if Scotty told his side of the story, there's probably more negative on Jordan, but everyone knows it's all about MJ. MJ's the GOAT. <laughs> it is. And look, it was all about MJ, but we did also get a glimpse and even more than just a glimpse of a number of the key players along the way. It was interesting to see that Jerry Krause in the last episode was then after really having his reputation torn to shreds for the majority of it. And then you have Pippen come out and say, yeah, yeah, he was the, he was the best GM in the world. And we owe a lot of credit to him for that as well. I I actually disagree with that. I don't think he's the best GM. He's not the GOAT GM. If he was the GOAT GM, he would have brought the team back for 99 uh, season. Even when Jerry Reinstorf saying, I was going to offer Phil Jackson to come back for a year and all that sort of stuff. I don't, I don't believe that because I think he saw that when Jordan spoke about it at the end of the doc, didn't he? He goes, if he really said that, do you think that uh, Dennis going, oh yeah, Dennis is coming back. I'm going to come back. Yeah, Phil's coming back. Would have taken a little bit of work to get Pippen over the line, but I just, I, I think if Jerry Crass was the goat GM, he would have saw, hey, we've got a window opportunity here we could win another championship. I certainly agree, Ford, that, yeah, he should have brought them all back for 99. But um, I think you look at what a lot of those little decisions that he made over the previous, you know, 15 years or however long he was at the helm. You know, look, he's very lucky that he had Michael Jordan in his team because you're going to have a good team no matter what. But to be fair, like Michael Jordan couldn't win a championship in his first six, seven years. And really it was Jerry Krause making some pretty challenging decisions. Like he got rid of, MJ's best mate, Charles Oakley, which, mm, you know, yeah. that was a big decision at the time. And, and look, he, I think Jerry Krause really let him. I was going to say, he managed to conjure a trade to get Pippen for Olden Polonese as well. Correct. Correct. So, you like, know? he made some amazing decisions. It was just at the end of it, his last, his last six or seven years was an absolute debacle. There's no other way to say it. But there were a few injuries in that as well. I also and you only say, remember... The last bit too, don't you? You generally only remember the last part of their career. Mm. I was going to say, I also think it's pretty easy to to pot someone who's no longer with us to actually put their <laughs> side of the story forward. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think maybe even Jerry Reinsdorf hid a bit behind Jerry Krause there because he's, mm. he's the man with the cash. He owns the team. And at any point in time, he could have sacked Jerry Krause if he didn't agree with what he was doing. 
Mm. Yeah, there's certainly, exactly. there's certainly more. There's certainly more to that story about why everyone didn't want to come back for '99. You could almost do a documentary just on that because I would love to hear everyone's point of view of what happened at the end of '98 season. Um, because I think yeah, there's a lot of unsaid stuff. Do you think Phil Jackson has some part to say blame in that? In a in a sense where if he really said he was, I think he knew that was his last year because Jerry Krause said. If Phil wins 82 zip, yep. he's still, this is his last season. And if Phil, Phil said, well, this is it. This is my last season. But it's probably an easy decision for him as a coach because he goes on and then wins another five rings with the Lakers. Whereas as a player, you still had Jordan who has another one or two really good years left. And some of the other guys, I think as a player, they would have felt a bit ripped off. Mate, I reckon if Phil Jackson, if if he planned this like some people think he did, mate, let's just say hypothetically he planned all this. Mate, the guy forced MJ into a retirement knowing that he was about to coach Kobe and Shaq. It's the greatest checkmate move of all time. <laughs> <laughs> is, is he the GOAT coach? That's, oh, a, that's a good He'd have to be up there. 11 championships. Certainly up there. Certainly up yeah. there you know, um, Two different squads. Yeah, I mean... He's probably coached arguably three of the top five players of all time, yeah. which does help. But Yeah. Okay. So uh, one of the things that I've found interesting the last couple of days was now we've had Jared Neesham, former Fremantle. That's right. Former Fremantle coach, your favorite team, Friendy, come out and say that he and Neil Danaher, who was an assistant coach for the Dockers at the time, were actually there. They were present when... Jordan and Kerr had their punch up at training that they were actually over as guests because of Luke Longley. He'd invited them over and they were doing two weeks intensive sort of just watching the team, getting ideas to bring back to Australia. And they were in the room when the punch up occurred. And I'm not sure if you guys have heard this story, but Jared has now finally said, I think I can talk about it now because after it happened, Jordan came over to them up in the stands they were up in the nosebleeds watching and said basically like you two aussies you didn't see nothing and then they were like <laughs> yep and they've kept yes, their sir. mouth shut like jared has not said a word of it until now it's been revealed in the last dance that this punch-up occurred what a random twist that we actually had some aussies firsthand to witness it oh mate it's it's an unbelievable story and i think uh watching it it would have been pretty cool because I think there would have, you would have understood the level of competitiveness that was going on. Um, and something like I've been in training sessions where there's, where there's been stuff like that happen. And it's almost like a little bit of a respect thing. Like at the end of the day, you shake hands and you move on. And sometimes you just in the heat of the moment, you just, you yeah. fire up. And um, something tells sometimes me, that's... <laughs> I was going to say something tells me that um, Jared wasn't going back to watch the Dockers and Clive Waterhouse was beating up Scotty Waters. one thing that does pain me is i do believe that luke longley is a frio docker supporter and that uh yeah i'm not i'm not too impressed about that but um (laughs) and look there must have been a level of respect between jordan and luke longley there because i mean he got jordan to australia props to luke longley yeah for sure hey 40 what's your final takeaway well i've got a few and i know you want to probably finish this off but 
Oh, really get quickly. Them, get them off your chest, mate. It's okay. Get them off the chest. Hey, this is the last dance. This is exactly. The, it's the last, last, last dance. Talk about this. The last, last. But I, how about that um, flu game? Uh, yeah. The flu. The pizza in, flu uh, game. Pos- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think about this. You had five, what? Well, there's about five guys that came, you know, Jordan's in the room wanting a pizza and you had five guys from Utah deliver the pizza. <laughs> Obviously <laughs> had an idea that there was Michael Jordan there. If you really poison the pizza, why would you send five guys to deliver it? <laughs> it's pretty obvious. And whether Michael Jordan was that hungry that he didn't care. And secondly, what did they poison it with? Like, <laughs> what, like, do you know what I mean? Like, what are you and even the, spoiled meat or something like that? Or all these bodyguards were like, "I'm not eating that. You, you have it, MJ." <laughs> what? <laughs> that was so dramatic about it as well. I was like, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, Mike, it's eleven but, o'clock. Don't eat the cheese pizza. <laughs> no, it was, it was an I, extra I mean, pepperoni. Extra, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they're open at that time of the night, you're probably thinking they're not high on the agenda of having good food hygiene practices, I suppose. <laughs> um, and another thing I wanted to mention too, you, how, like, look at all the grudge. You do not want to get on MJ's list of having a grudge against you because sure. you look at how many times he had a grudge against someone and how did he use that as motivation to go out and be better? It, we threw it throughout the documentary, just countless time after time after time where someone would like get under his skin and he would like prove them wrong and show them how good he was. I was reading an article yesterday about George Carl with Seattle and the whole, how he snubbed MJ at the restaurant. And it was quite funny (laughs) because I'm not sure who it was who was, he was working with, who was in the um, Seattle admin, and basically said, George, MJ uses you to motivate himself. He gets, you know, under your skin and, and you conversing with him, you're like his puppet. So the idea was at the start of the series, say, good luck, shake hands, and don't say anything until the end of the series, basically to avoid motivating him. <laughs> and then he goes and snubs him at a restaurant, which goes and motivates him to the extreme. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. mate, you were never going to win. They were like, is, I think my, they, they said, my... yeah, they said, Jordan plays mind games with you. Don't do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my thing on that is, I reckon you should have just tried to trash talk him as much as you could because it, it wouldn't matter. He, even if you said nothing to him, he was going to make something up. That would motivate well, him anyway. So you might have a crack. Yeah. Afterwards, that friend well, came was... up to me and said, nice game, nice game, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but they said he was the greatest trash talker. Like he had, he wasn't just the greatest basketballer. He's the GOAT trash talker as well. Like Reggie Miller talked about that, is that he just, he would yep. go at you. You saw how he got into Scott Burrell as well. Like, yeah, even in his own uh, practices. He was just sledging them like that's, no that's tomorrow. That's so. Scott, Scott Burrell's come out and said, you know, Jordan made him any, if he's any type of player, it's because of Jordan. If, you know, any mm. success he had was because of Jordan. And they're still mates and they still play golf with each other. So this idea yeah. that, oh, he bullied Scott Burrell, mm. you know, like you throw the term bully out there. As we mentioned last time, he seemed to pretty much enjoy what was going on. 
And he's, he's yeah. out and sort of backed it up in saying, no, he was, he was motivating me and he was trying to make me a better player. But I think what we discovered with Jordan, even with his gambling uh, stuff that came out, it wasn't so much he had a gambling addiction. He has a, a, ga- sorry, a gambling problem, but he had a competitive problem. Yeah, he has and a competition every, problem. Every moment of his life, whether it be practicing, whether it be throwing a coin on the ground, whatever it may be, he was just a competitive beast. And so um, you, you could see once he was away from that, he was more than happy to mingle with uh, you know, fans and yeah. whatever, even the oh. media when he was in a good mood. I'll finish with one last thing. Do you reckon in 2003, when the Washington Wizards versus the San Antonio Spurs, do you reckon MJ went up to Steve Kerr and said, hey, I remember that speech you said after the, the fifth championship. You know, you've just spoke to fire and poked a fire in my, yeah. my belly. <laughs> you reckon? <laughs> no, you know, he joked around about the whole, yeah. you know, MJ, he didn't want to take the last shot. It was, you know, so yeah. I just had to bail him out again. Yeah. Bail him out again. again. <laughs> I mean, even then, when he was a player in his 20s, Steve Kerr, he's still the Steve Kerr that coaches. You know, like, he has not changed. <laughs> he has not changed at all. <laughs> you know, it's, which is really cool. Because oh, you can still yeah, picture look, him saying the same, the same thing at a press conference. Yeah, yeah, he does look the same. I think, uh, I think we will all agree here. Uh, not that you guys can see, but hands up who thought The Last Dance was the best sports documentary of all time. Three from three. That's three from three, guys. The last dance was it. It was all I hoped for. Any final words, boys, before we shut the door on the last dance? Yeah, it's just emotional. I, I didn't know what to do with my Monday night. And, um, yeah, fantastic. Best thing I've seen in a very long time. If Best thing maybe ever. Whoa. Pen drop as well. Well, last episode, we all got the chance to get something off our chest. But this week, there is only one who is anointed. It's time for 40s Facepalm. Well, horse, when, I just thought I'd start this with a preface. When we say 40s Facepalm, this is not one of those moments where, ah, oh, 40s Facepalm, you know, I can't believe they did that. This is a 40s Facepalm, hand on the forehead. I'm so frustrated and angry or annoyed this is the face palm that we're talking about right now. And what I, what my face palm is, is I'm venting and venting my frustration at talk of sport. When is it coming back? What's the format? What is it going to be? I'm so over it. We just go around in circles and circles and circles. And I'm sure I'm not the only one when I say this, as I'm sure many sport lovers, obviously we're missing sport, but just all that you hear on news, all that you hear on podcasts, including us, is what's going on. I'm over it. I want to hear stuff about glory moments, culture, defining culture, stuff that inspires athletes' mindsets, digging into what's really going on uh, behind the behind the you know the, the brain. And so, all this other stuff is just noise. But I get it. It's a situation we're in. I'll just roll with it. But just being completely honest, I'm frustrated. I'm venting right now. I'm over it. 40s face bump hits another one. It's it for six. You little beauty. Well done. Well, lads and ladettes, we have hit 
that stage, that final straight, and we can see the finish line nearing. It's time to wrap up. And we'd like to thank you for joining us again, of course. We thank you for your support. We encourage you guys to spread the word on our behalf. We would really appreciate that. We have been digging deep into the merch situation. I've got some caps that have been designed. We are looking at prices and hopefully in a few weeks, we might even have some up to show you guys on the Instagram. Speaking of Instagram, at the common man dot podcast. What's dotty, that boys? Dotty. Dotty, dotty. Dotty, the old girl. At the, the common man dot podcast. Our email podcast for the common man at gmail.com. We would really love to hear from you. Please tell us what we should be putting in these podcasts. Please, if you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe and rate. Also, we are available on Spotify. We are really just spreading ourselves across the uh, the pancake of platforms. I just, I think I just made up a new saying: the pancake of platforms. <laughs> and and we hope that you have been able to connect with us, and you want to connect with us. Forty, what's your final word before we? Say sayonara. Sayonara. I've already Peace. said that. <laughs> oh, did you say that? What? Did you say that? Yes, I have it in my brain. I don't know. I got one. Quick, throw to me. I got one. Friendy, final word. Yeah, look, shattered that the last dance has come to an end. Brilliant documentary. I'll probably go back and watch it again a few times. But come on, AFL is here. I'm ready. I'm excited. Ooh, yeah. Let's go. Oh yeah, cannot wait. We look forward to chatting with you soon. Forty's got a final word. And I'd just like to say, again, great documentary, but let's get into cricket. AFL's nearly over. Let's move on. Let's get into the summer sports. Come on. We haven't had winter yet. <laughs> yeah, moving through. Moving through. <laughs> get it going. Okay, I think I just have to say we're done. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you soon. I don't know. Period. Dot. <laughs> period. I got nothing. Great. I there got we go. Forty's final word was period. Uh, yeah. You, can we? Can we? Can you, we eliminate? Is that can as we you delete that from the recording? <laughs> My request is that I. You had me off guard. No, I that's know. going on the end. Oh come on, man. <laughs> <laughs>